I feel like the Lord gave me a real strong word for us this morning. It's been confirmed in a couple of ways. Um, we've been in a series called Rent Free. I've heard, I've heard, I've had personally, I've had some of you just come and say, hey, this has been one of the most powerful series from a practicality standpoint too. We've been in a series called Rent Free. It's how to defeat negative thoughts that are living as lies, living rent-free in your mind. All of us, it doesn't matter where you stand and your understanding of who God is, we all deal with this, okay? So uh, we've introduced three of the four biblical practices to defeating negative thoughts. So the first practice was to determine, so we did a thought journal. We had to determine what thoughts are even living in our minds. Then we had to decide which ones were negative and we had to deal with. Then we needed to deliver them. So last week we said, we're going to take, make, and we're going to what? Break. Can you say that with me? Take, make, and break. We take them captive and prison them for the lies that they are. We make them obedient to Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross. And we are going to see those things broken in the name of Jesus. Amen? So this week we're going to introduce the last of the four biblical practices. It's, it's the practice of dethroning. And really what's going to happen is, is we're going to dethrone these lies and these negative thoughts and we're going to enthrone Jesus. Okay? We're going to enthrone truth, dethrone lies. We're going to do that and it's going to be comprised of, here, simple, we're going to, we're going to set, we're going to sit, and we're going to commit. Say this with me. Set, sit, and commit. I'm going to say it one more time. Set, sit, and commit. We've been in a passage uh, utilizing uh, some of Paul's writings. We used some of Peter's writings. We're back to this guy, Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. He's an amazing character uh, who was a very, very, very big part of Christianity when it started. I'm going to give you some context. We're going to be in Colossians 3, 1 today. But let me tell you what was going on. This is what was happening at the time. Paul is writing this to a little small young church. Consider it like a church plant. This is this young little church in a place called Coloss, the Colossians. Okay? So we'd be like San Marcosians, Oceansidans, Vistians, okay? So there's this little church and Paul's writing to them. Now, Paul, here's what's fascinating. Paul never really visited them. But he had other people that he was encouraging and he had heard and he'd been hearing. And so he, he uh, presumably this was written while he was in prison one of his times and he wrote this letter. And this is why he wrote this letter to the Colossians. This is why he said what we're about to read. Because at the time what was happening was this little church was dealing with a kind of a, a fusion of faith. Have you ever had like fusion food? You know, like it's, sometimes it gets weird. Sometimes it works. Okay, let me tell you something about the kingdom of God. Fusion never works. It never works. So what was happening was, is that, that this little church at the time was struggling with old thought patterns and rhythms and practices from pagan occultism. You had some, some like uh, traditional Orthodox Jews that had given their life to Jesus and they brought with them highly legalistic practices that weren't necessary. 
And then they took his, because we do this sometimes, don't we? Uh, sometimes even in, in churches, like, like we'll like say things that aren't even biblical, but they sound great. And then we'll throw a verse on the very end, like we'll just John 3.16 it. We'll throw a little Christianity in there, you know, we'll just like spice it up a little bit. Like that's what happens. We end up with this weird fusion of faith. And I think today, in today's uh, society, I will tell you one of the growing issues with the church is that we have, and I, I'm just going to admit this and kind of shine some light. We have fallen back on maybe just teaching the foundational fundamental truths. So, so what happens is people come along and they start saying all these wild things about God and people have like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. Why? Because we're dealing with a fusion of faith, but a fusion of faith never works. Can you turn to somebody and just say, it ain't going to happen. So there's this buffet approach. And in America, we love buffets until you get sick from one. Now, the reason why they were so, they were so compelled to do this is because they wanted to do it. This little church, what was happening with Christians at the time, tell me if this doesn't sound like 2022, just a little bit. They wanted to do it so that the new people that were hearing the good news of Jesus would feel comfortable and in the name of, quote-unquote, unity. So we back off teaching the truth. For There's conflict inherently in the gospel. And we err on the side of your comfort when the best thing we can do is give you the truth. And this is what Paul is saying, and this is what I promise you, you will always get from this little church in San Marcos, California. Okay? Let's read this Colossians through. And so he says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. These, these things that lurk. You know, do, do, do you have things from your past that lurk? Do you have thoughts that lurk? Do you have thought patterns that lurk? I, I do. I'm human. Okay, I'll just admit it. I don't, I don't care. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Mic drop moment in 2022. Have, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things. Paul's like, guys, you used to do these things. Those were your old patterns. Those were your old rhythms. That you have old things you used to do. But Paul's about ready to pull us into the new things that we're prescribed to do. 
okay? He's like, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. But can, is it okay if I just say these words? Like, we always want to, like, get to the line. He's like, stop. Amen. Don't lie to each other. You, for... He goes, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds or all of its practices is what some translations say. Put on your new nature. Put on those new clothes. Put on that new robe. We're like digging through our old laundry. It's dirty laundry and we find the shirt we've had since 1914. We bought it at the thrift store. We're like, this thing is sweet. And it's like, you haven't washed it. I don't know if the 40 other people that owned it washed it. And you're like, but it's comfortable. He says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or unbarbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters. And he lives in every single one of us. Man, that is powerful. So just like in 2 Corinthians that we've read in the past couple weeks, Paul is instructing the Colossians in the truth of Jesus. And he warns them, this is a warning to them, about the danger of returning to their old thought patterns. Their old way of religion and of thinking and of living. So we've determined, we've decided, we've delivered today, we're going to dethrone. Are you ready to break the neck. I'm not convinced. So I'm going to I'm gonna have to preach extra good, Pastor Jeff. Okay. Holy Spirit, breathe in this room. Holy Spirit, breathe in our hearts. Breathe in the hallways of our hearts. Dismantle the patterns that we literally have neuropathways that are ingrained in our brain. And God reset and renew neuropathways for us to create new patterns. And that we would see the highways and the byways that the enemy is utilized in the past destroyed, bridges burned, and we refuse to go back here this morning. Everyone in agreement and ready to preach, say yes and amen. Let's number one, set. Set. I love Paul. He's like, since you've been raised in a new life, set your sights on the realities of heaven. So set your sights is to seek after, to aim at it. All of these uh, apply, this word like set your sights, it implies that it's ongoing. Uh, let me say it this way. You're going to set your sights and you're going to have vision drift. The shiny bright object is going to get your attention over here. And you're going to do this. You're going to set your sight. Jesus. <laughs> shiny object. So I want you to know this is going to be a practice of you setting and resetting. 
It's ongoing. It's not like I set it and forget it. You remember that infomercial? Just set it and forget it, Bob. That's amazing. <laughs> Buy it now for four low payments of $14.99. That is not how this works. Listen, your attention and affection is going to be set on what you set your sights on. So some of us are dealing with loneliness. Some of us are dealing with heartbreak. Some of us are dealing with the question of a significant other. Some of us are dealing with that new shiny object. What my purpose is in life. God, who are you? And we're stressed and struggled. And we're setting our attention and affection on these other things. But what happens is they will never give you what Jesus Christ can give you if you keep your eyes set on him. It's like we're just eating buckets of sugar. There's a quick hit, horrible letdown. Right? He's saying you need to set your sights on the realities of heaven to dethrone negative thoughts that are holding your attention and your affection. The truth is, some of us, our attention and our affection are being held by these issues. And God is saying, you need to seek first my kingdom. Your loneliness is going to be taken care of. The question of who you're going to marry is going to be taken care of. The question of how am I going to deal with that breakup that I just had and I thought that was the one is going to be taken care of. The question of how am I going to make my month work with the amount of money that... The question of how am I going to get through another day dealing with these circumstances will actually take care of itself in Christ Jesus. Why? Why is setting the realities of heaven? Why is this important? I love this. The realities of heaven. I'm going to break this word down. I'm a word nerd. This is above in a higher place, but not like, oh, I'm going to walk around just like this now all the time and bump into people. It's what you're doing is, is you're shifting your vantage point. It's not what you look toward. It's where you look from. It's where you're going to look from. And what are the realities of heaven? I love, this is what this word means in the Greek. It's, it's having a separate and independent existence. Having a firm basis in reality and therefore important, meaningful, or considerable. What firm reality of heaven makes setting your sights on it important, meaningful, and considerable? The reality is that Jesus Christ is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of his Father. And that is the firm reality. That is the deep why on why we should get up daily and we should set our sights. Even when I don't feel it, you're what? You're working. Guys, don't feel it. <laughs> I'm not feeling it, man. It's just not my vibe. Bro. The firm reality that Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand and he has dethroned sin and his death with resurrection life. That is what we set our sights on. Your reality is driven by what you see. It's your perspective. Let me say that again. Your reality is driven by what you see. It's your perspective. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. 
When I don't see it, you're what? Working. But we fix our eyes on who? The one who's doing the work. Jesus Christ. For the things we see now will soon be gone. You know your loneliness is going to be gone? That heartache is going to be gone. All of these things are temporary. But let me tell you what happens. Maybe the older I get, I realize this more. We often think that whatever we're dealing with is forever. Can somebody tell me amen? I'm like, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh, I got this cramp. It's like, oh, I'm going to live for the rest of my life with this cramp. I'm like, no, it's actually momentary. You need to drink some water. You're dehydrated because it's 15 million degrees outside. Right? So many things are temporary in nature, but we always think in our humanity, we think in permanence. So when you set your sights on the realities of heaven, you're setting your sights on the realities of Jesus Christ crucified and him being risen over every single lie of the devil. Here's my quick tip for us today. Read scripture first daily. Read scripture first daily. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to be really transparent and vulnerable. People are like, you mean, so I have to be perfect and read scripture every single day. Listen, this is about consistency, not perfection. So if you got up this morning, you're like, I didn't read any scripture. I'm going to hell. No, you're not. That just means tomorrow, guess what you're going to do? You're going to get up and what are you going to do? You're going to read scripture what? First. See, we grab our phone a lot first. So, so set a habit of the first app you're opening, utilize the technology. Listen, it's, your phone is like, good morning. Pick me up. Come on. Take a wild dive into the like social media verse. Like what's going on in the world? The same thing that was happening when you went to bed. Okay. So re- real easy, utilize an app. This is what I do, an app like version. It's free. And I have a Bible plan that I read every day. And I want, I'm being transparent. I know that my, the trajectory of my day is going to be predicated on what I see first and set my eyes on first. When I miss that day, I am not that nice guy. My wife's like, you didn't, bro. <laughs> Amen? So we're going to read scripture first daily. The first thing you set your sight on in your day will dictate the basis of your perspective and focus for the rest of the day. I'm having a case of the Mondays. Bro, you need to read a scripture that kicks Monday out. No, no. You just stepped in to a new grace and mercy to kick the enemy in the teeth and it's Monday and I'm ready and I'm like everyone else is dragging and I'm bragging I'm like God is good man I hate Mondays no God is good number two we're gonna sit Ephesians 2 4 this is this guy Paul he wrote this to these guys in Ephesus they're called Ephesians but God is so rich in mercy And he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It says, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. 
For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And he seated us. This is, this is important. He seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. God has a seating arrangement for you and for me. He seats us with Christ. And I just read in Colossians that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he, then he says to the Ephesians the same thing, except he's telling them, I need you to know that you've got a place to sit at the table. You have a place to sit in the throne room. You actually have been seated because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You're seated with Jesus in the presence of the Father. This at your right hand, this is important. The, 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 uh, the implication of being seated at someone's right hand contextually in culture would have meant this. It would have meant, it indicates that Jesus has taken his place as a partner in God's universal government. Universal government meaning God's government, his boundaries, the laws of, of his land are universal and apply to the entire universe. They just don't apply to a country, a city, a state, a people group. All of creation will answer to the government that God has power and authority over. In a prophecy in the Old Testament, it speaks of Jesus having the government set on his shoulders. So it's important that we're seated with Jesus at the right hand because what we've been given is now we've been given charge and partnership in government. So government governs by sovereign. The word sovereign is like supreme power or authority. A government will govern by sovereign, supreme power, authority, and independent set of laws and boundaries. It's a word we say, it's the law of the land. So remember that this idea of we're going to set our sights on heaven. Why? Because it's separate. Its existence is separate. God's ability to govern what's going on is not attached it's not predicated, it's not based on, it's not bent, it's not changed by whether or not you and I believe it, we partner with it, we profess it. He's like, my government governs as supreme over all things. And when Jesus returns, you will see the ultimate law of the land step in and finish what was started on the cross. Amen. Where you were sitting is a good thing, but who you sit with is everything. I'm going to say that again. Where you sit is a good thing, but who is everything. The devil wants negative thoughts to shake your confidence about God's seating arrangement for you when you follow Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, the devil literally is like, I want to shake the ground. God's been speaking to you. 
Some of you, God's been speaking to you over the last couple months, and as you begin to step, you're getting confirmation, and the enemy's coming in and trying to sift and shake the ground underneath you and shake your confidence about where you're sitting. And today what we're saying is, devil, you have no power here. Why? Because where I set my sights and who I sit with has supreme governing power over your pitiful butt. This is how, this is how I talk to the devil. I'm not, I'm not like on Tinder with the devil trying to get a date. Okay. I want no affection or attention from homie. No Netflix and chill with him. Nope. So we're going to dethrone the devil and his negative thoughts by sitting with Christ. You're going to set your sights on where Christ sits as well as take a seat. I'm like, I'll set my sights. I just refuse to sit. Man, some of us need to sit so you quit wandering off. Would everybody please take a seat? Yes. Okay. God, what's your problem? He's like, I'm, I'm, I got my eyes on you. He's like, you left the seat. Where you sit predicates what you see. Some of us need to just take advantage of the seating arrangement God has given you. Like, just overtly. God, I'm going to take advantage of your seating arrangement. <laughs> VIP seating. Why do people want VIP seating? Because it's the best view in the house. It's going to shift how you see things. It doesn't change the circumstances. It's the same concert. You just don't have to sit down in the filth of 150,000 people pressed shoulder to shoulder sweating on one another, which is ew. Here's my quick tip. We're going to pray early and often daily. Daily. What's my disclaimer? You miss that prayer? It's okay. It's like an open phone line. You just, oh, I forgot to pray. Dang it. Just start talking. Prayer is just an open dialogue between you and God. Okay? The more seat time with Christ, the more you will have thoughts like Christ. Why? Birds of a feather flock together. You are going to think like the five closest people around you. Some of us need to change in the physical who we're sitting with. Because you happen to be sitting with chickens and God called you to be an eagle. I'm feeling it today, guys. I'm like, I'm a little, my spirit's a little agitated at the devil. Can you sense it? <laughs> like we, we got this. Okay. Number three, we're going to commit. We're going to commit. So first we what? Set. And then what do we do? 
Sit. Good. Everyone stand up. I want you to close your eyes. Trust me. No one's going to shoot you with a like, water bazooka or anything like that. Close your eyes. Set your sight right now on Jesus and the reality. Do it. Not on what you see in the natural. On where he sits. Independent. Unadulterated. Fix your, fix your sights right now on that. Now. I want you to sit down with him. Take a seat. You have to commit to that. You have to commit. He says, in verse 9, Paul says, don't lie to each other. Do you know what he means when he says don't lie to each other? This is fascinating. But what were they lying about? They were presenting their false self based on how they thought about themselves and what others would think. So they would present their false self to each other rather than their real self, the way God designed you seated with Christ, robed in new clothes of salvation. This is what happens with negative thoughts. We walk around and we never know each other. We lie to each other. We're shocked when we find out the real truth about that family on the block that seems to have it together. Because we're good in society at presenting our false self. And Jesus Christ didn't do that for you and I. He remained vulnerable and open and he took the risk and he presented his real self. He says, don't lie to each other. You've stripped off your old self, your old sinful nature. You're not, let me say it this way, you're not who you used to be. Would you commit to the truth today that when you set your sights and you sit with Christ, commit to the knowledge that you are not who you used to be. You're a new creation. He says, for you stripped off your old, I love that stripped off, is like uh with intensity, um, if your clothes were submerged in a flammable liquid 
and somebody was chasing you with a flame and you were trying desperately to strip off your old clothes so that you could put on your faith-filled, fire-retardant, new self robe. He says, take it off, strip it off and all its wicked deeds or its practices. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Your old self has practices. Your old self has rhythms. Your old self has patterns. And so your new self will also. The practices of setting your sights and sitting, and we need to commit to this, successful commitment of dethroning negative thoughts is found in consistent practice of stripping off your old nature and putting on your new nature. Some of you respond out of your old nature and you're like, man, see, God, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a new creation. He's like, no, this is an opportunity for you to set your sights, to sit with Jesus and to stay committed. Right now you have an opportunity. That thing that you did yesterday that you, that you like deep down, you despise in yourself. You're like, I hate when I do that thing. Old off, new on. But you have to make the commitment Like Jesus has done it for you. We're human. You're not perfect. But he's give Paul's like, I'm giving you like this amazing set of practices and patterns to set your sights, to sit with Christ and to be committed that as you go through your day, daily, moment by moment, second by second, I am going to strip off that old stuff. When an old negative thought creeps up, stay committed to the practice of replacing it with a thought based on the truth of what your sight is set on and who you sit with. So I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, I have these thoughts and a buddy of mine who was mentoring me said, would you do me a favor? He's like, uh, can you get this piece? Can you, can you draw a line down the middle of the paper? I said, sure. He goes, I want you to write uh, God on one hand and on one side. I want you to write the devil. Just write devil on the other hand. He goes, okay, you have this thought. He goes, do me a favor. Can you please write down which side of the paper you think that thought is coming from? Would God say that? And I was like, no, the devil. He goes, devil. He goes, okay, burn it. What am I doing? I'm replacing. I'm taking off. I'm putting on. I'm stripping away. We're going to dethrone those old ways of where we set our sights and where we sit by enthroning Jesus as the center of our life. This is important. We're going to dethrone the lie and enthrone the truth of Jesus. That's our commitment. Commit to the practice of setting your sights on Jesus and sitting with him. I am... I'm a firm believer in this. I've seen it in my life. If you'll set, sit, and commit, the promise is, is that your life will continue to be renewed as you learn to know Jesus and to look like him more daily, to think like him, to see like him. Here's my quick tip. Burn the bridge daily. You know, people say, like, oh, I don't want to burn a bridge. Burn it. 
Burn it. Stand up this morning if you want to burn a bridge. Burn it. The enemy's behind you. Why do you want to? This morning, God said, I want to destroy the pathways, the highways, and the byways, and the patterns. We leave these bridges up behind us that are arteries for the enemy to continue to move on. And, and then we're like, God, I don't know what's going on. It's like, we need to burn the bridge. How do we burn the bridge? We commit to practices of setting and sitting. I gave you guys uh, on our app or in our notes on our YouTube, uh, I gave you guys some, some work this week. And essentially, it's just to do these three things. But I just want to pray really quickly in the short moment we have together still this morning. Um, God this morning wants to break some things, um, some pathways and some old patterns. Some of you were dealing with old patterns. Some of you have come out of a lifetime or a season of dealing with old patterns and you're actually walking in the new patterns. And when I talked about the enemy wanting to come in and he wants to really wreak havoc and he wants to shake your confidence, for some of you, that meant a lot. Like you were like, yes, that's it. He wants you to believe that the promises aren't true because there's a little bit of shaking going on. But the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. His government cannot be shaken. These are promises that you and I have. So this morning, if you're dealing with this, like, yeah, I'm stepping in. I'm going to set, sit, and now I want to commit. And Pat, I've been doing this, and God's been speaking. I've been walking through the last four weeks, Pat. And God, today, I'm telling you, wants to break patterns. Would you do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand really quickly and say, yeah, patterns are going to be broken today? Here's what I heard the Lord say. Some of us, it's generational patterns that you've been living in that you just don't even realize. And right now as I'm speaking, you're like, oh yeah, that needs to be broken today. There's a lot of hands in the room. So I'm just gonna do this. Uh, There's gonna be, our ministry team is always up front. When we wrap up, you're always able to come up front and get prayer, always. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, let me start here. In light of my message last week, we're not going to step into our life with Christ in secret. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to set your sights on him, say yes to him, take your seat with him, and make a commitment to practicing these things daily. There's your life of faith. And God puts you in a family. He doesn't leave you out on your own. There's no solo Christianity. And so if you say, yes, I'm gonna give my life to Christ, it's important to us that you say, that's me, because we wanna come alongside you and we wanna help you as we walk this out. We want to also walk with you. So be sure to say, you can come up to one of our ministry members and say, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. I wanna I want to re up my commitment today. And for the rest of you, if you need prayer, go to our ministry team. You might see some of them walking around the room. It's really normal here for people to just put their hand on you and start praying for you. Um, And there's all kinds of little nuggets and good things that go on. Usually when that happens, it's really cool. But as we leave here today, why don't you do this? Why don't you close your eyes? I want you to set your sights right now. Set your sights.
focus. I want, I want you to see yourself sitting. In the name of Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit right now. Blow through this room, Lord Jesus. Let the winds of your mercy and your grace blow like fresh winds of fire in the hearts of your kids. God's grace is for you when you're the one who trips up. God's mercy for you is for when somebody has wronged you and it's not your fault. And there's both people in the room. And right now, the Holy Spirit is literally blowing through the hallways of your hearts, bringing grace and mercy to break the back of the enemy. Because what we're doing is we're moving forward. We're setting our sights. We're sitting with Christ. We believe that there, there are homes that you want to fill. There are neighborhoods that you want to transform. There are cities that you want to bring revival to. That our state, that not, like nothing that we can conceive, even when we don't see it, he's working. And even when I don't understand it, he's working. And even when I don't have the ability to wrap my brain in understanding, he's working. And this is what God is doing. And right now, God wants to break off every single thing that's stopping you from walking into the future that he's designed for you. There is a future and there is a hope that he has designed for you that the enemy wants to build a blockade and literally stop you from stepping into his promises for you. And today we say no more. Today we say not today, devil. Today we say you don't have power here. Today we say you're standing on kingdom land and this is the law of the land. Jesus Christ is over come. He's a victor, so he makes me victorious. He's a winner, so that means I've already won. And Jesus Christ hasn't quit, so there's no quit in me. Today, we stand firm in this truth. We stand firm in the promises that God has given us. And we collectively together, we say, we're going to set our sights. We're going to sit ourselves down, and we're going to commit to walking in victory today. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen and amen.